Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Movies Podcast for Monday, the 2nd of October 2023. Tonight, I'm joined by Tom Davis. Wibble. Simon Crust. Wibble, wibble. And Mark Costello. Wibble, wibble, wibble. So no, no one's going to explain what Christ. that's about. Yeah. <laughs> this week, Tom is going to uh, talk to us about his uh, background image. Um, the uh, 2023's last big screen sci-fi should have been June, but we instead got uh, the creator from Gareth Rogue One Edwards. Um, I'm going to stay at home and talk about Reptile, the latest from Benicio Del Toro. And also the fact that Disney's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on 4K actually has expanded IMAX scenes. <gasps> I know, I know, shock. Just thought to end it there. Um, Mark's going to look at Studio Canal's release of The Others in 4K. And mm. Simon is going to revisit Rennie Harlan's absolute uh, production company yes. destroying box office yeah. disaster, Cutthroat Island in Cutthroat 4K. Island. Oh, and yes. off the back of that, we're going to take a look at our best and worst uh, Rennie Harlan picks. Eventually, worst worst so movies. many, so oh, many God. belters. I had such a ball looking at the. I mean, you can tell from the backdrop we got we got stuff to talk about. I've done right. no research, and we'll be <laughs> basing everything I say on films that I watched 10, 15 years ago. That's that's all good. We expect nothing less, Tom. Nothing less. Rigorous. <laughs> Let's have some competitions, Mark. Okay, so we've got two absolute blinders to kick things off here. We've partnered with the good folks over at Peter Tyson, so you can win a pair of Bowers & Wilkins 607 S3 bookshelf speakers, complete with AudioQuest Rocket 11 speaker cable, worth a total of £919. Excellent prize. But if that's not enough for you, good people, we've also partnered with AV.com, where you can win a complete monitor audio and Roxanne Hi-Fi system worth nearly two and a half grand. Now, that includes a pair of monitor audio bronze 500 floor standers, a Roxanne Atessa integrated amplifier, and a visual cable pack. I mean, wow, 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 wow. But if discs are more your jam... Uh, we've got exclusive offers for patrons that include Studio Canal's U571 on 4K and Studio Canal's Cutthroat Island. Stay tuned, folks. On limited edition Steelbook 4K, we've got the modern horror classic It Follows on limited edition uh, 4K Ultra HD, as well as David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, also on limited edition 4K Ultra HD. We've got Fast X on 4K Blu-ray, The Flash on Blu-ray, plus a selection of my last top 10 recommended UK Blu-rays for September, including The Ship That Died is Shame, Blazing Magnum, Antichrist Marlowe, and an Asteroid City bundle, as well as a pair of Radiance Films limited editions, Scream and Scream Again, and The Dead Mother. So head over to avforums.com forward slash competitions to enter. And as ever, all competitions are open to eligible AV Forums members resident in the UK. Nice. Nice. So Great some... prizes there. Ooh, it's a it's a pretty good run. It's a pretty good run. I mean, those I'm... are excellent. It's nice we stuck Radiance in there. Um, we we've got some some new partners uh, who'll be supplying us with competition prizes. So we got uh, Radiance getting in there. We got Third Window Films, and and I'm hoping to twist eighty eight Films arm and get some from them as well. Chinese so, burn uh, them, Kaz. Chinese burn the hell out of them. <laughs> nice. Uh, previous winners. 
Supporter Phileas won three British comedies by Mural Box on Blu-ray. Uh, Supporter Togusa won Inuo on Blu-ray. That's mental, apparently, Mark. It's a great film. Uh, Supporter Jay Finney won One Piece on Blu-ray. And Supporter Sam V2001 won two Anti-Worlds limited edition Blu-rays. Uh, and new well patrons, uh, we've got Greg Andrews bought us a coffee. Oh, nice. Oh, my Lord. That's Thank nice. you. Brought us a coffee. That's very kind. I, I like that. I like coffee. Right. Let's have some movie news and reviews. Well, perhaps not quite the sci-fi event we had planned for awesome. Okay, I'm just... I'm just going to say I was a little disappointed that I couldn't tune it up. Um, but uh, the flip side to that is I hadn't really heard anything about the creator. Mm. And Tom's background image alone, which for those who are just listening, is just the original poster that came for uh, the creator. had me very intrigued. And I, I have to date not watched the trailer. Um, tell us, Tom, tell us about the creator. It is a um, really interesting uh, high concept, though not original concept, science fiction, like mid-budget, but big impact. And um, uh, I'm just going to say at the outset, definitely go to the cinema and check it out because it is amazingly uh, visually spectacular. And if you are going to see it anywhere, um, I would imagine that your best experience of this is going to be on the, the the biggest screen with the best sound system, um, because that is the key strength. So it is a story about um, a, a parallel development of robots, like a parallel history in which robots have developed um, throughout the 50s and 60s. So all of that, like 50s and 60s futurism, that happened, and we got robots. Um, and now, in the just beyond the present day, we're in a sort of uh, not quite post-apocalyptic state, but um, post-terrorist uh, attack state, um, perpetrated by AI and robots. So Los Angeles it doesn't exist anymore. It has been destroyed by a nuclear bomb, which has been blamed on AI and the robots produced by that AI. And so Sky, as Skynet, a result, right? Sky, yeah, we've Sky, got, we've already- write a, you, write a strike, yeah. Let's already start like labeling things that we recognize <laughs> because that will continue for a while, okay? <laughs> they therefore move all of the robots to Vietnam um, against which the Americans lead uh, covert assaults. Do you want to hazard a, a reference guess there? Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter. The, sub the, the subtext is just too... It's too sub for me, Tom. I need a bit more text in my subtext. Uh, so a team of uh, Marines with different characters, some of them hard cases, some of them jokers... Again, do feel free to jump in. <laughs> um, the real story here is that John David Washington's 
character Joshua is an ex-marine who is roped back in to um, defeat the creator, to um, assassinate the creator of um, this AI menace, um, who has remained a mystery this entire time, and a supposed new secret weapon that has been built by this AI, who turns out to be the first robotic child. Um, <gasps> And it that's I hope that's not spoilers. That it's like, in it's, the trailer. It's in the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer. You it's told me the, the movie. Trailer. I'm not gonna see it. Um, <laughs> so that's that's the setup, basically. And then from that point on, it is about Joshua coping with um taking this robotic child either that's... back to the US for experimentation or destruction or sort of battling his own um, ethics as he begins to see this thing as a child. Um, and th Ooh, that's the I've story. I think I've seen the trailer for this. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen all the trailers, Simon, for this. I think it's, I've seen the trailer for this. It, yeah, um, that's quite good. It, do you know what? When I <laughs> saw the trailer, I thought, oh, I see, it's AI meets District 9. That's what I'm getting <laughs> from the trailer. Which um, And it completely is... To begin with, and all of those like little references we picked out immediately there, they're all in there, but they are all in there in the first act. They're all in there as like, uh, let's you've seen this before, let's have fun spotting where you've seen it before, and then we'll get to the actual story that this film wants to tell. Um, and so the first hour is kind of, I don't know, you're mileage will vary depending on how much fun you have picking out those references or how annoying you kind of find that and i was right on the fence there like i i sort of appreciated that gareth edwards was you know putting his heart on his sleeve and saying like these are the films i love um but at the same time i was kind of waiting for that bit to be over and i was worried that it was gonna last like the full two hours two hours 15 whatever whatever the movie is but it doesn't and eventually it moves on. And what it moves on to is the most incredible um, spectacle of science fiction cinema that, that we've seen since June, easily. Like the, the scope and scale of the repeated um, invasions of um, Southeast Asia by America and their tanks the size of skyscrapers and floating orbital um, nuclear platforms um, that are the, the size of a small town and just everything is huge and meticulously designed. Um, all the robots are really clever. So you've got, if you can see the background here, you can see that this is one style of robot. They also have a completely different um, designed for the police robots, completely different design for the simulants, who I guess are sort of like the closest to human-looking robots. Um, and those are not the only three. There are so many different types and so many different designs that all of the pre-production work is right there and absolutely fascinating to watch. And you've just got an hour of this really enjoyable feast of like oh my god look at look at this sci-fi creativity going on right in front of me it's pulse pounding it looks incredible um but the storyline i couldn't really care less about and the the characters i couldn't really care less about and this is going to be a film 
that was just pure references, but is now just pure spectacle. And and okay, that that's fine. I'm I'm enjoying that for what it is. Uh, and then it stops being that, and all the spectacle goes away. And instead of the spectacle, we get a really laser focused drama, um, purely about the relationship between uh, Joshua and Alfie, this uh, robot child. Um, and for all of the previous uh, hour and a half or whatever, where you're like, I don't really care about anyone, it pulls out the bag two moments where suddenly you feel like you're going to cry. Like this is big, emotional, heavy hitting moments, like two in a row. Um, and suddenly the film is now purely about this relationship between Joshua and Alfie. Um, and that's good as well in itself what it then sort of like fumbles is the plot making sense, which is a real shame because what you've got in the middle of the film is a very straightforward and interesting looking um, action movie. And at the end, what you've got is a very complex and kind of nonsensical uh, interpersonal drama. And those two things are enjoyable while they're going on, but do not sit well together at all and for that reason it's just a really really interesting like i would call it an almost great movie um it is definitely a good movie i'm quite happy to say it's a good movie because of the elements of it are right um just not all the elements all the time um, and that's what sort of makes it like so close so close gareth edwards regardless of the fact that i didn't love it i would still recommend it without a second thought just because it is um a, a bit of science fiction cinema that is um original ip like not necessarily original in concept but it, it is this is gareth edwards idea that he has put yeah, on need, screen we need original yeah, cinema yeah we um, need new stuff yeah you can't you can't um overstate how great it looks and then how great it looks or the comparatively small budget, it is. It will just blow you away how much he gets, like how much bang he gets for his buck in this movie. Um, and and money and numbers is not like the most interesting way to talk about cinema, but it, it will hit you while you're watching it. Like if you are aware that this is like a, a low to mid budget movie, like wow, who who knew you could do this for this money? Like it's it's um it's well, not Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, it's like the exact opposite of the Marvel <laughs> effect, where they just throw money at it, and you get generic CGI yeah. blobs being chucked at each other. Whereas this is like, no, this is you've not seen this before. This is new, and it yeah. So even though, like I say, even though it's not my favorite movie ever, definitely going to watch it again. It's definitely a no-brainer recommendation. It's not a perfect movie, but it is worth seeing so if you get the opportunity definitely go and see it i want to go and see this I, I should just say like i said go and see it in imax um it's not expanded ratio because it's been shot super wide so it looks like ben hur it's it's mm -hmm. absolutely wow. it's really really amazing to look at so even if you go and see it imax you're not you're not going to get the height on it but you are still going to get this immersive experience of like big crisp gorgeous picture so um yeah go see I mean, it 
I, I want to go and see this, and I, I think I'm going to try and plan to go and see it this week, but I really thought the timing of this, what with June dropping and what with a very, very light cinema schedule, I really thought it would mean an original sci-fi would uh, have open reign to succeed, you know, pull the opposite of Mission Impossible, but it sounds like it's not doing... Start doing very good numbers, which is well, crazy. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting you say that, Kaz, because this should be this should be my jam. This has <laughs> got this, you know, Gareth had, you know, Gareth might as well put up a title card that said "For Mark" before the trailer. You know, <laughs> it's my jam, and I watched the trailer, and I could not have been any less enthused by it. And I watched the second trailer, and I was even less enthused by uh, it you'll be and, pleased to hear mark that it is bad trailering because i had the exact I mean, same just, reaction so, to just it don't watch trailers no, i haven't seen the trailers and i'm, I'm gonna no, go and no, see but, it and it's no, my jam no but. but you know what but i think i think that this is a real i mean people have been saying on the threads quite rightly that you know people have been moaning about the lack of this mid-budget original film <laughs> and one comes along and no one goes to see it why is that? And interestingly enough, I think for all the reasons that that we've uh, said, uh, you know, the, it's 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 a melange of very obvious influences. You watch, right, Kaz? We watch the trailer, and almost every single shot, you roll your eyes because you go, "I've seen it." Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. Mm. I've seen that. Now, yeah. whether or not it is just purely bad trailering, or from from what Tom has said, they've got the spectacle. But do you know what? I could go to my Apple TV. I could flip from Foundation to Ahsoka, and I've got visual spectacle right there, right there. I've got it there. Mm. When Tom says, "Well, the narrative's a bit," yeah, you just think, right. So what is in this for me? And even though it should be my jam, and and I've been racking my brains because I've been seeing the comments in you know loads of people are saying, "Well, it's really good. It's really good." And a still, lot of people still love it. Love I it. could not give a rat's backside about this film, and I should, and it pains me that I don't. But that's I think that's, but I think that's the film's problem. Yeah, no, it a, might a, be. A lot of people aren't showing up for it, given the the state of the box office. So yeah, I'm going to go and see it. I'm not for whatever thing. reason. <laughs> Kaz, go, go and see it eight times, Kaz. Make, <laughs> make, make up for all of us. Go and see it. Damn it! It's real sad that it's not doing so good at the box office because it's exactly what we want to see more of, and yeah. I think. I think maybe I was a little, I don't know, maybe maybe my uh, overall enthusiasm for it didn't come across so much in the review, but I did. It, it's real different in places and just, yeah, like uh, it's a sad thing that um, the money people in Hollywood are probably going to look at this and go, well, more, more. DTV next time, okay. Gareth, which would be really sad. I it think. always did. I mean, Cruise did what Edge of Tomorrow and Oblivion for for the pros and cons. That yeah. this is original scale yep. sci-fi. I mean, I would I, I would love to see more films like that, but they didn't blow away the box office in the way that you know every Mission Impossible sequel, but the last one did. <laughs> So but, I guess, but it's just... but, but, it, but it's bizarre because I think there was one comment in the thread. You know, when someone said, "Well, wh what kind of world is it where no one goes to see this?" and someone said, "Oh, the world where Barbie makes a billion dollars." You know, I've just said I I could turn on the TV and see twenty 
visual visually resplendent sci-fi extravaganzas there was only one barbie this year and it cleaned up maybe this is what we need to start thinking about barbie, barbie. yeah more barbie Barbie in space, all, 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 all Barbie every no, but it, but it, but it's things like, and again, this is maybe just a personal thing for me. But like I said, with wall to wall spectacle these days, I want more. There was a Ken in this. Know. They, they <laughs> should have done. You know, there was what? a Ken. Sold. They should have sold. Was it Knuff? <laughs> they should have done like a Nolan when it comes to the marketing. They should have done really moody, dialogueless trailers. Yeah old style they should not, have given just flash images tell you the yeah. whole story in a heartbeat exactly they should have given nothing nothing yeah, they away should have, about should have done really moody moody trailers just original like sci-fi just like the picture behind yeah. tom just Everything show the nomad made. show the robots yeah like that would be enough to like june, people june go, style yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. worked and it worked for june like more or less i mean june wasn't a yeah. runaway success but it was a success it was yeah at a so, bad time yeah exactly mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and uh, I think, but, uh, given yes. given the fact that June was supposed to be dropping imminently and and is now not, it kind of makes the the release window of the creator even more like what you were going to pit this against June? Yeah, I know it was bad times. They should clean up anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, speaking to not going out to cinema to see the creator, I stayed at home and watched Reptile, um, and. This is the latest Netflix. You know, I have to say, Netflix are on a roll with me at the moment. Every time I put on a film expecting a turkey, it turns out to be good. And I'm like, damn it, I want to defend. Um, this is the latest Netflix movie. It's uh, director Grant Singer's writer-director uh, debut. And it's a, a good one, Reptile, with um, Benicio Del Toro, Alicia Silverstone, Michael Pitt. Justin Timberlake. I mean, there's a bunch of names in it, but they're the headlining cast. It's a it's a murder murder investigation. It's got vibes a little bit close to the recent The Little Things uh, with Denzel Washington. Um, but I think it's a, a superior film. It's done more confidently, and it's it's Del Toro. I had. No real expectations. It is Netflix, but it doesn't look or feel like a Netflix movie right from the outset. It's got a, a fabulous score, really discordant. I mean, in a way, it telegraphs a few of the characters, but you don't realize that till later. But it's a real get under your skin score that uh, that makes you feel like anything could go wrong at any time. Um, it, ostensibly, it's Benicio del Toro's cop who's got a you know a shady background he's moved to a new town he's got a new position courtesy of his uh, uncle-in-law and um, he's trying to make it work and he lands this homicide really a brutal homicide which you only discover after the fact so you don't see what takes place and he's got to investigate it and see see what happens and as he the slow unspooling of what he discovers and the revelations about what he's kind of up against it's just meticulously done and del toro really carries it as a a very confident guy and a confident police officer but clearly a lot is out against him and i don't think he realizes that from the outset there are a few obvious name drop movies 
I'm not going to name them because people have to come to that conclusion after watching them, but they're all pretty good. Is it um, AI, aliens? It is, yes, Platoon. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, the, I think that the movie took me off guard because it's two hours plus and it's on Netflix. I expected bloated, no editor in sight, you know, shot through with this massively gaudy Dolby Vision hue and infinite black darkness so that you couldn't see anything at night. Uh, it doesn't, it's got a really gritty, bleached um, edge to it, intentionally grainy. Uh, it's got that score, which is fantastic. And it's a real slow burn, like very, very happy to un get under the skin of these characters and the actors really make it work. It's it's going to take mm. its time and then deliver the goods. Uh, the one film I'll compare it to is Prisoners. Villeneuve's uh, Prisoners. I would say that if there's any director that Grant Singer is is hoping to idolize in his in his style here, it is um, Villeneuve, and it's I mean it's it's a great person to pick. Um, so I, I would highly recommend this. I think, yeah, I think most people will be sold on Del Toro, but just don't let Netflix put you off. Wow. Yeah, it's easily that, done. That's, that's easily what done. we've come to, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, it should be. That's it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Jesus, Alicia Silverstone, I don't remember the last time I've seen her in anything, but she was great in it. The Requin. The favourite. It was I mean, the Requin. <laughs> Yes, well, I know. I read the review, if that counts. But I mean, no, I have not. Because I read the review, I have not watched that film. Underrated movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> Almost great. Yes. <laughs> right. Next up, we're going to talk 4K discs. Wibble. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com and join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at avforums. Right, we're going to have a quick look at what's upcoming on 4K first. Go for it, Mark. Okay, uh, so we're going to start in the UK. Arrow have announced uh, a really half-baked child's play 4k collection for the 11th of december seemingly they've uh they've taken note of their bruce lee set uh and given us the most famous film of the entire set in measly old 1080p rights issues obviously but have a word come on uh second site meanwhile are delivering us the gonzo french slasher come head scratcher hot tension or high tension for you Anglophiles in there, whatevs, <laughs> on the 27th of November. So that's good. Uh, Studio Canal are also bringing us the bestest ever Father Christmas film, Janot Schwartz's Santa Claus the Movie on the 3rd of November. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm just. <laughs> oh my God. Don't shoot the messenger. It, I mean, I could have said just <laughs> John, John Schwartz. Uh, 
Warner Brothers are bringing us Jahone Carpenter's favourite film, Rio Brown, <laughs> the same day, uh, with a steelbook coming the week after. That was John Carpenter, in case people missed the gag there. Uh, while Universal have announced the third in their classic Hitch box sets with Volume 3, including Rope, Torn Curtain, Manny Needs So Much, Topaz and Frenzy coming on the 6th of November, which is just two weeks after they unleash Oppenheimer on us on 4K. Which which man which man who knew too much? Is it the Jimmy Stewart or the Peter yes. Laurie one? It's oh, it's the Jimmy Stewart one. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, however, in the US, uh, Arrow can very obviously dig it with their announcement of Walter Hill's seminal gang flick, The Warriors. You like what I did there? Uh, coming on December the twelfth, uh, Vinegar Syndrome have announced the latest in their BSU line of Daryl, which is shipping imminently. I have pre-ordered. Can't wait for that. Uh, Kino Lobber are bringing Kitty Classic The Monster Squad out on November the 28th. Criterion are releasing Guillermo del Toro's Netflix stop motion of Pinocchio on December the 12th. Shout Factory are allegedly bringing JFK out in December if a tweet by director Oliver Stone is to be believed. Uh, but this morning they dropped a whole load of other announcements. Uh, they're bringing the, all the US ring films, rubs, uh, but also they're bringing Clue the greatest film based on a game ever made. That's coming out in December, hopefully. Uh, Spielberg's classic duel is reportedly coming from Universal in the US on November the 14th, so expect that over here about the same time. Uh, Lionsgate are prepping 80s Brat Pack Western Young Guns for December the 5th. Finally time to retire that pig ugly blu-ray we've had to suffer through. Uh, and finally, Paramount are dropping titanic on the same date now normally we'd say we can expect a similar uk release but given that over here 20th century fox now disney have the uk rights god knows what we're gonna get that might have to be an import for the second biggest third biggest film of all time <laughs> uh, that's it no no finishing rant from me i'm in quite a good place with all the 4k goodness so that'll do where can I get JFK from? Where am I ordering this? I'm, I'm, I want to like I've got my oh, I've got I've got my phone out. How, how, well, how we get well Mark, Mark did say if Oliver Stone's tweet is to be believed, I would God say Oliver Stone Oliver has Stone, a lot of nonsense. Yeah, Oliver Stone would want us to disbelieve a lot of things he says. <laughs> I think that's well. Ch ch just... if, you ch if you check out the threads, he was tweeting about natural born killers on 4K, and he just dropped. Oh, and by the way, they're also throwing out JFK as well sometime in December. Oh, it's like, wow. whoa, oh, wait to bury the lead there, Oliver. In a box set with the documentary. That's what we want. Mm, possibly. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's there's some really good stuff coming there. These these 4Ks are coming thick and they are coming fast, and it's a good mix of. The majors, the boutiques, some classics, some cult classics. There's some really good stuff coming at this moment in time. So yay yeah. all round for fans of physical media. It's Lovely. definitely, it's definitely picking up steam. Considering the start of the year, it's definitely picking up steam. Mm. Tell us about the others in 4K Mark. Uh yes, I will. So I'd uh, said so now look, Tom's gonna snigger. Alejandro Amenabar, is that right? I don't know. What are you asking me? Uh, <laughs> he'll, only he'll only tell you if it's wrong. I know. I know. So Alejandro Amenabar's 2001 classic ghost story. I'm not going to dwell too much on it. It's it's still a really, really good chiller. Sort of sits halfway between uh, The Sixth Sense and, for me, uh, Del Toro's The Devil's Backbone. 
it doesn't lose anything on this umpteenth rewatch because of you know where where the story ends up going it's all about that mood that atmosphere and if you do want to just scratch under the surface a little bit there's so much stuff there the fact that uh amenabar's being being of spanish heritage and sort of that country's relationship with war the fact that it set this story that didn't have to be set anywhere near a war it set it just coming out of world war ii and on the channel islands with its own very very varied history with 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 the conflict there's so much going on under it and it's 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 a fantastic film the 4K disc on paper is a really interesting one. So it comes with no wide color gamma and no HDR. So in essence, you're buying this for the 4K resolution bump. Uh, you know, you can talk about uh, encode and all that kind of stuff. But in essence, you do not have the usual mainstay of oh, HDR, Dolby Vision, wide color gamma. That's not there. Now, initially, as I was watching it for a film, I thought this was a really odd choice. The film is bathe no I scratch that it's practically drowning in shadows and these shadows are deep they are black none more black as spinal tap would say and you can't help but think that that hdr and wide color would have would have put a little bit of detail in it would have just put a little bit more mm, oomph into those shadows but then you realize that amenabar was was much more interesting in creating not just a period film in terms of its content and its mood but in its look it's lit by natural candlelight, but it's it's specifically muted to give it that late forties look and feel of of the visuals. And you can't help but think, but maybe HDR, wide color gamma, you know, all that kind of stuff would have just pushed it a little bit too far. However, that's not to say this looks exactly like the old 1080p Blu-ray doesn't. Uh, in some cases, the films cool down a little bit. Faces have a little bit more of a, a naturalistic skin tone compared to the to the previous 1080p disc however it's not a blanket everything's cool there's a couple of shots where the walls behind uh, there's, a, there's a scene where nicole kidman is following footsteps through the house she walks into the library carrying a shotgun and on the old 1080p disc the wall is a sort of beigey browny color and on this new version it's a very overt blue color but the, the, the cooling down isn't overt. There are other scenes where actually it's gone the other way. Uh, the, the picture's warmed up a little bit. The, the highlights from the candlelight on Nicole Kidman's face in a couple of scenes are much warmer. So it looks like some real care and attention has gone into the new colour grade. And just because there's no wide colour gamma or HDR, there is a new colour grade to this. And the 4K resolution, a lot of people say, oh, the, the, the bumping in 4k resolution 1080p isn't all that obvious well it is on this one actually again if you do comparisons as, as, as i did you can see there is a there is a resolution bump here grain for the most part is even and is really well handled by the encode there's a couple of scenes where the grain disappears slightly but i'm chalking that up to early 2000 cgi fog just sort of blotting the entire screen out and 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 swathing everything in very low resolution pixels on the whole i got about half an hour into this film and i was scratching my head thinking there's not really an awful lot of difference in this image from the aged old uh, miramax disc but by the time i would got to the end and i'd done some a, a b comparisons I, I was sold on it there are 
It is better colored. It has better resolution. Obviously, the grain is better managed. The encode is solid. So all round from a picture front, it does end up being a significant. Uh, nah, scratch that. It ends up being uh, a a definite increase uh, in terms of visual quality. The other big ask here uh, of, of the film is that it comes with a brand new Atmos track. Now, I was all geared up for being bombarded with ghostly footsteps and whispers and all that kind of stuff. And again, you, you kind of forget what a quiet film it is. It's a really quiet film. Amenabar makes so much use of silence. But then, of course, it changes. It, it, it needs to be loud. It needs to be agile. And the track does that brilliantly. The number of times I jumped just because all of a sudden that footstep sounded very loud. Uh, and and in, in that respect, it retains all the goodness of the previous DTS track. The Atmos expansion, obviously, there's, there's some fun moments with footsteps running overhead. Of course, you like that. The biggest sort of sell of this is how to phrase this best it sounds bigger the rooms that they're in even if it's only a whisper over here or a conversation going from the corner you can hear the atmospherics of it and the echoes of it just slightly now coming out so in that respect the atmos track really does add uh, a touch of size scope and scale to these rooms and of course in terms of extras the the big extra that we got here was a new is just over 50 minutes chat with Amenabar and Chris Freckleston and Nicole Kidman. Uh, and I think the producer of the film, looking back very fondly at the time, but it was a very, very good, open, frank conversation about the film, their time with it, influences, context, legacy. It's a very, very good watch. They've got a load of legacy stuff on there as well, which of course is good. And you come away thinking that's pretty good until you realise that the upcoming criterion 4k shares exactly the same transfer shares all the same extras and adds a couple of extra stuff you've got a new commentary from a bar you've got another interview with him and there's a couple of other things on there so all in it's a very very pleasant upgrade over the previous disc for a very good film however if you want the absolute best package you are better off getting the criterion not just because it does away with that God awful cover studio canal stuck on it. I mean, just bleh. uh but go and buy it anyway, because it's a great film on a great this. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> You're very welcome, Cass. Well, we also looked at uh Guardians from Disney, which you know, the, you take the good and the bad with Disney. The, the reality is that they, you know, they turn in pretty damn good encodes. Their discs look nice and polished and fantastic and taken on their their own apart from you know the atmos complaints we've had over the years by and large it's a pretty consistent studio at turning out decent releases the trouble they have is they've kind of undone themselves by doing a streaming service that offers things that they don't do on the disc and as well as most of the stuff they do do on the disc like the extras um, it's a shame because if any other studio was releasing discs as kind of consistently good as Disney, they, they would be applauded for it. I mean, you look at other studios, maybe like, I don't know, Paramount or even some of the problems that Studio Canal have had, you know, ev everyone seems to have had a few problems over the last 12 months, maybe longer. Disney's output's pretty regular. 
but if you go to Disney Plus, you get their output in IMAX enhanced. You get like Dolby Vision. You get all the bells and whistles. And even if in side to side comparisons, they or back and forth comparisons, they don't uh, they don't actually make a great deal of difference. The fact that it's got that little tag on it just entices people to go, this disc isn't worth as much. Um, the latest Guardians release is, I think, one of the first releases from them on disc I've come across that comes with IMAX expanded scenes. And uh, it was a nice surprise. Um, I saw the film... I saw the film with the uh, IMAX expanded ratio, and I saw the changing scope that they implemented for it. Um, and I think that what's interesting here is we don't get the same video version that people have got on Disney Plus. This is uh, this is like a theatrical IMAX experience where you do get a shifting aspect ratio. Whereas the Disney Plus IMAX Enhanced is a fixed scope for the entire film. And what's interesting about that, because I appreciate a lot of people still be sucked in on Disney Plus, is apart from those who are going to be annoyed by what their project does, um, it's actually more of an immersive experience to have it change ratio when you're supposed to wow at that scene, rather than just have it blanket big. And I hadn't noticed that before. Blanket Big's great. IMAX Enhance for for some of Disney stuff is good, but um, but there is some dead space. And uh, on the disc, you don't have that. And it's and you know sometimes it changes a little bit too often, but sometimes it's a very cool scene that you know it suddenly got big. I had a lot of fun with that. I also uh, went back and forth between the. Disney Plus Atmos, which was surprisingly bassy, to the Atmos on the disc, which is absolute demo. Uh, and overall, I thought it was a cut above what anyone has really come to expect from Disney, which is already a pretty good standard. Uh, nice. One of one of their best releases in in a long time. And same can be said about the movie. I really enjoyed Guardians Vol Volume Three. I know it's got some mixed things. I know it's getting a lot of comparison to like the pre-Endgame Infinity Saga movies and how they were consistently of a better standard. I had a, I had a blast with Guardians 3. It had some heart to it. It had, uh, it, I mean, putting Rocket front and centre was a, a lovely move. Um, and uh, yeah, I really... However you cut it, it's, it's better than two, not as good as one. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's one it. is like yes. however, however you rate them. I think that's probably like a safe thing to say. Yes, and and but Mark disagrees. <laughs> well, yeah. See, you just yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not opening that can of worms. No. Otherwise, we're never going to get to Rennie Harlan. But just to say, <laughs> Mark disagrees. Uh, you can that's take okay. that, and you that's can take okay. that to the bank. That's allowed. Mark can disagree. That's fine. <laughs> Mark disagrees by quoting Stephen Seagal. It's absolutely correct. Um, anyway, go get Guardians 3 or or just watch it on Disney. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just, just <laughs> telling you right now, the disc is pretty good and a nice surprise. Excellent. Yeah. Side, tell us. Tell us 
let us roll into Rennie Harlan off the back. Of, I, and I'm only halfway through it. Tell us about Cutthroat Island. What happened? Cutthroat Island. What happened? What did happen? Why Why did it fail so miserably at the box office? It's a mystery. Um, because the film has got everything you would expect from uh, a blockbuster swashbuckling pirates film. Um, superb um, action sequences. Fantastic sore fights, an easy-to-follow plot, a good chemistry between the leads, a kick-ass um, leading lady. Um, cannons galore. Um, <laughs> and a, a baddie chewing the scenery, chewing the sails off the scenery. Uh, everything about it, it should work. Um, but for some weird and quirk of fate, the whole greatness of the individual set pieces don't come together to make a cohesive great whole. And I can't explain why. Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, it ends up being, sadly, a very average film um, from what is spectacularly good set pieces, basically. Um, Disc-wise, it's a phenomenal set, absolutely brilliant. The um, the pictures I can I've got the the details of the uh, of the picture. I think it's in the written review. Um, 4K restora uh, restoration produced in two 2023. Uh, 4K 16-bit scan done by Picture Shop using 35mm original negative uh, sound restoration and then uh, picture and sound restoration completed by VDM Laboratoire. Is that right, Tom? Laboratoire, uh, France. Um, and then and it was colour graded and supervised by some chap called uh, Reginald Julien. J Julien, is that right? Jesus Christ. Red Jones. But whatever. It yeah. was yeah. lovingly, it has been lovingly restored from the original camera negative, and it Lovely. looks absolutely amazing. Seriously amazing. Detail out of this world from right from you know, right up the pairs out of people's noses, right over to the clouds over in the distant horizon. You can't fault it on the detail. It's absolutely spectacular. The the, the landscapes that you can see from down from uh, in Thailand, especially, are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, the the uh, Dolby Vision grade is a, is a super golden hue to it. It's it's really rich and vivid. They've got beautiful, um, striking reds, very lush greens, lovely looking blues. Skin tones are great. Um, superb blacks um it's it's an absolutely belter of a picture you you can't fault the picture for what it is it's absolutely brilliant the soundtrack is a is a 5.1 master uh dts hd 5.1 it's almost as good as atmos it is surround galore cannibals flying at you creaking floorboards pistols people punching each other kicking shouts it's a cacophony of sound surround sound outstanding absolutely brilliant and on top of that you've got let me count them one two three four five brand new extras in addition to the uh one two three four five six legacy stuff that's already on there sadly i haven't seen any of those because they're on the blu-ray we weren't supplied with the blu-ray um but nevertheless, so you've got a, a brand new remaster film that looks fantastic. You've got a surround track, which is out of this world. And you've got a whole bunch of extras, which are brilliant. I don't have the box to show you, unfortunately, because... The, the uh, oh, there we go. Kaz has got it there. That's, that's, that's the, the competition uh, prize, right? The competition prize there. Um, I was only given the, the, the check. Yeah. 
so uh yeah it's um so does that fantastic package make for make the film better well clearly no but it makes the set better the set is worth the purchase because it's absolutely outstanding um i think it's probably worth noting um the uh, contentious um part about this release it's being compared and i think rather unjustly to the 2009 a 15 year old blu-ray 1080p blu-ray um now who knows where that source came from that ever been remarkable that was that was that an original negative was that the color you know this this has gone right back to the beginning and it's been colorized as it should be this is probably how it should be surely we should be moaning about the old 1080p going that looked crap this looks fantastic why didn't we have why didn't we have this in the first place it's a it's a, a strange and weird and wonderful world we live in where we can be moaning about something that is so good not really uh, people just saw a screen grab on their phone and went no nah, it looks like pissy i'm not going <laughs> I mean, really, I, I flipped the disc early and watched the first hour, and it was just gorgeous. It's incredible. I mean, if, if it ever looked better than that, I would be very surprised. I just Absolutely. think it's it's Studio Canaldo have got form, haven't they? I mean, I've I've had the great displeasure of sitting through their Cat's Eye and Red Sonia, and even the 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 Gilliming King Kong films, and all of those just they look wrong that 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 was the problem with those discs they looked wrong not not in comparison to the other one it just looked well there's no way that sky was that turquoise yeah this doesn't this is and and i think that that's the problem that studio canal have shot themselves they're the studio that cried piss yellow that's what they are (laughs) and and now everything that looks like that is oh so the studio canal botch job i haven't seen it but It uh, it looks gorgeous yeah from 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 what I've seen of those screen grabs, again, it's one of those, isn't it? Every other aspect of it is a massive improvement, but because the colour wash is slightly different, people are saying, oh, it's a load of old rubbish. I know, <laughs> but awesome I've seen picture. it in motion, and, and what Sai said about it is spot on. I mean, oh, I'm going to think, think it up, about it. Definitely. I mean, we're not DPs. We, nobody saw it at the cinema. Nobody's got anything to compare it against, apart from this, you did not. Sure did. Tom put his hand up. Hundred percent. And what was and the color grading like? Since <laughs> oh, um, uh, let me think back to when I was maybe like eight or nine when I was <laughs> exactly. judging judging the color grading on Catherine's Island. Exactly. Nice. Anyway, so what did you think of the film then? Jumping off into Rennie Harlan, was it one of his best films? We can't we can't jump into Rennie Harland now. Oh, we, can we, not? we need a whole other segue. We need okay. to talk about streaming and TV news, make it sound super artificial, and then come back in a nice, comfortable period of time. Otherwise, we won't have a third ident and we'll all We've cry. Ten minutes. Time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. I've got to say the words. Next up, it's streaming and TV show news and our theme of the week, Rennie Harlan. If you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AV Forums to sign up. You can also make a one-off donation through the Super Chat or via streamlabs.com forward slash AV Forums. All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters. Quick shout out to some streaming. Uh, Philip Barantini's accused which was his follow-up to boiling point which was his feature film 
adaptation of his short film starring Stephen Graham. I, I love Boiling Point. Great. I mean, great. Superb tension in the kitchen, single shot take. Graham, fabulous form. Accused, dropped on Netflix. No one noticed it. It's, um, I mean, it's a slow build of a, I don't, I don't really want to say much about it, but like a home threat movie let's go with fabulous at building tension just like in boiling points you know you, you you just it just he just cranks it and cranks it until it's absolutely unbearable and turns it all in in 90 minutes and leaves you exhausted too stressful but, man it's too yeah, stressful <laughs> on netflix says the guy who's going to be bringing us a review of the tv show boiling point shortly also too stressful too stressful <laughs> yeah. too stressful and not we're gonna... not enjoyable too stressful <laughs> We're going to talk uh, House of Usher, which everyone here is undoubtedly going to watch when it's dropped, because we're doing a podcast the day before it actually is released. And I, I can't I can't preview it any more than I already have in a preview review. So we're going to talk it the night before. We're going to now look at our theme of the week, which is the best and worst Rennie Harlan movies. So I have in my hand a list. You have your list. Well, yeah, there. Yes, it, weirdly, it says they're all bad. What? what <laughs> oh. Oh. Just, just for the, I mean, just for the audience sorry. back home. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say basically true. I'm, I'm gonna say I spent a bit of time on this because for some reason I decided to be like Mark and actually invest in this project. So I'm going to give a little little background to, to Harlan. He's a Finnish director, Finnish director who bankrupted Carol Co. Pictures pretty much <laughs> single-handedly. Single he was once attached to Alien 3 for a whole year. And, uh, and instead of making that, and we, we all know what happened to Fincher, yeah. made a, a big hit with his Nightmare on Elm Street 4. That was his breakthrough, and it was a sizable box office hit. It's um, not on my list. He didn't know. We're not talking that man. It's, it's the one where the dog pee brings Freddy back to life. So, you know, yeah, take my money. Take my money. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger, probably best known for those back in the day. Mm -hmm. also, what I found interesting about those is that back around that time, uh, he did vastly more violent, gratuitous cuts of both of them in a real in the same style as um dutch filmmaker paul verhoeven was doing with robocop you know like everyone gets shot 50 times or impaled on three pieces of ice and then has their guts come out i mean he he really went to town on it i mean cliffhanger was like a 15 in the uk mm. the, the the work print for that is not a 15 and uh die hard 2 i think it was actually cut in the uk for ages and then when i saw it uncut i thought well that's pretty violent the work prints more, more violent on that. Um, he did a trio of movies with his then wife, Gina Davis, which was an interesting choice. I mean, he got one out of three right. Um, he's You're talking films or wives, yeah. Tell me about it. He sunk, <laughs> sunk a studio with one of them, but then yep. he made the moderately successful Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, infinitely more memorable, at least for me, because it's got a script by Shane Black. Who did Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the scripts for. Um, he and then since then he's been super naff. He did a a, a riff on Speed, 
and he's ended up in going foreign i think he went to bulgaria to make a few movies uh, and his latest project was going to be a gerard butler film called the bricklayer and then butler i think had a modicum of success rightly so with some decent movies and so he lost him and he's got aaron Eckhart. oh wow yeah let me hold in an aaron Eckhart. there we go and he's doing three new strangers movies so he's he's an interesting character but i i would say he's done a few good movies in amongst a whole load of i can i'm not sure i'm gonna watch this again movies so let's let's start come on tom give us from your memory of a eight-year-old here tell us what's <laughs> what's your best and worst and you can skew it like we always do to hey say. man i i remember vaguely enjoying cutthroat island as a kid but i remember literally nothing about it no, and i'm gonna exact. say i'm gonna say like that's true of most of his movies for me like i <laughs> yeah i've seen cliffhanger and i remember john lithgow and uh yeah. craig fairbrass it's Craig Fairbrass in it. Oh, it oh. absolute classic. You need Amazing. to watch that again Just, after. I mean, the maybe, maybe I'll get around to it. But, uh, the best uh, by a country mile, Deep Blue Sea. Fucking love that. I mean, <laughs> love that movie. You could have that as the worst, it. actually. No, it's brilliant. It's, it's it amazing. I mean, I think side. That's why I like it so much because yeah. it's just it nuts. Is terrible. So dumb. It's and, so uh, yeah. That's that's a great film. That is a great um, good bad movie. You ate my bird. <laughs> and I just, I just wish that I had a hat with a shark's fin on it. Just hey! Oh my god! Oh, um, deep does deep contain blue. one of the greatest shark deaths of all time. That's true. Yeah, man. Um, several of them, several surprise yeah. deaths in that, that involved the sharks like oh, biting, biting in between and then ripping the body apart and then kind of circle back around. And just a, a genuine shocker as well yeah. in the middle of it. A Definitely. genuine, yeah. proper shocker in the middle of and it. And at which, the end. Which like totally yeah. elevates it. Like you're you're watching this dumb shark movie. And like, oh, it did something nuts. That's great. Yeah. So best, yeah, best ever shark effects in a movie. Those practical sharks in that film are amazing. Yeah, they are. They are cracking. Amazing. They, they yeah. really made some genius sharks to do all that stuff. Yes, they, they did. did. And they did uh, it slightly bigger than the animatronic in Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worst um, of the things that I can remember, it's definitely the um exorcist prequel that isn't dominion um which is just the beginning the beginning it's, yeah it is it, like it rivals exorcist 2 for bad took exorcist over Shredder, didn't he? He took uh, over not really took over like they just both had the reins they were they were <laughs> both worked. allowed uh, no yeah. schraders was taken off him before yeah. he got to cinemas by the studio so the cinemas then hospital passed it to harlan for the cinema release so yeah. only harlan's got out to the cinema but then for the home video release that's when they thought well we, we both, might as well just release both, both of them double our money on this these two turds yeah is both... trader any better not well, yes it's better a little bit but it's not a good movie no <laughs> <laughs> so there you go those those are my my best and worst like one i haven't seen that um I would I would quite like to is the the Dyatlov Pass incident, not necessarily because I think it's going to be a good movie, but because I quite like the actual Dyatlov Pass incident. Like that's an interesting thing that happened for real. Um, so yeah, I watch a movie based on that. That sounds good. Mm. That's that. I, I smell that being Mark's top pick. 
I do. By that, go on, uh, Mark. Go on, tell us. It's not as good as Cliffhanger. It's not as good as Die Hard 2. It's not as good as A Long Kiss Goodnight. But the Diatlov Pass incident, or otherwise known as Devil's Pass, is a really surprisingly good little fan footage film. Now, I, I, I came to this about a week after I saw Brian De Palma's fan footage film, Redacted. And I just thought, oh, my God not another Hollywood director who just doesn't understand how to do found footage. And the first 20 minutes of this was awful. I mean, it just didn't convince at all. So to fill you in all this, in 1959, in the Ural Mountains in Russia, nine hikers mysteriously disappeared. What we have now, in back in 2013, is a group of five college students and their video cameras decide to go and recreate the incident and try and find out what happened. So they traipse through Russia and all the setup is just God awful. It's horrible. They don't convince us. You know, the one good thing about found footage films is they often convince because the actors are actually pretty good and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. First, first 20 minutes of this is absolutely dreadful, but then they get, they get into the mountains and what Harlan does here is he actually weaves a, a really interesting little narrative around it all. The reality is the, the, these hikers just disappeared. No one knows what's happened to them. Yes, he. But, but well, well it, so, so Harlan concocts a fairly interesting hard sci-fi premise around it. Yetis are in there, but that's not where it, <laughs> but that's not where it ends. So I, I actually thought that what this did really well is it carved a really interesting narrative out of the found footage format and this real life incident, it sort of bolted them both together to give something that, that I actually really quite dug at the end. And I thought was really, it, it's not Harlan at all because it's small, it's tiny, it's found footage. It's there's no big explosions or anything, but I really dug it and check it out, Tom. It's on freebie. So you might oh, have that's to, terrible. It is on freebie. Oh do love adverts. So thanks for that. So <laughs> awful, but it is on freebie. It is. Thank yes. you. What's your worst? Uh, well, I was going to agree with with Tom, uh, The Exorcist, the beginning. The Schrader one was not great. But then again, whoever thought Paul Schrader would do a decent Exorcist film? You know, they, they couldn't have gone for two diametrically opposed filmmakers. Paul Schrader gave you 100 minutes of talky, religious philosophizing, and Reddy Harling gave you 100 minutes of subpar CG <laughs> and nonsensical story. And it's no Man. wonder that, that both of them were of great steaming piles. The sad thing is, if you actually probably stuck them both together, you'd have got something that would probably resemble Exorcist 3 out, out, out of that concoction. You, you or, couldn't have picked, like, Legend of Hercules? Like, in a movie where there was such a thing as a lesser Hercules movie in a year where we there was such a thing no, as a lesser Hercules but, movie. I mean, because at the end of the day, if this, this was the, this is the exorcist franchise. It just, sh Harlan shouldn't have been anywhere near this. And I mean, you, know, mm. you can, you can imagine that, that, they either paid him an awful lot of money or someone had some photos in a brown paper envelope I mean, somewhere. <laughs> you say it's the exorcist franchise, but it was the fourth movie, wasn't it? Well, it yeah, fifth, fifth, fifth. It's the fifth movie in the Exorcist franchise, and and how well had those sequels been going to that point? Oh, <laughs> two out of the three were utterly amazing, and one was fascinatingly wasn't... terrible. Yes, it wasn't, wasn't the John Borman second one is one of the again one of the best bad movies of all time. 
But wasn't Locust. Wasn't isn't three only good in the Dominion Cup? No. Three? No, three is good. All cuts. All three over. is a good movie. Like I prefer the theatrical cut, if I'm honest. Correct. It's tight. Yes. And it's got an actual exorcism in it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, which um William Peter Black didn't forced. want. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 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 yeah, so there you go. Everyone check out the Dyatlov Pass incident on Freebie. It's really quite good. Bye. Tell me. Me. You, you hate them all. Yeah, so there's nothing what's, good. What's well, that's not true. I mean, I, I can't stand Die Hard 2. I think it's a pile of crap. Oh, um, but I do oh. quite like Cliffhanger. <laughs> I quite like Cliffhanger. That was quite good. Starts off well, continues on well, and ends on a, on and ends very well. So that, I'd give that as my best because that's pretty good. Um, and I'm going to go with Die Hard 2 because it's just terrible. Oh, my God. You've it gone insane. Terrible film. You've gone insane. Oh, no, he's done like it. Oh my god, he's no, done like, he's done like driven <laughs> mind hunters <laughs> with LL Cool J and Christian Slater. He's done. Oh. He's done Legend of Hercules. He's done Skip Trace. Skip which Trace, which I did watched. see. Yes, I did watch yesterday. And, um, it, and although I said to you, it's got some good Jackie Chan in it, which it's it does. A bad movie. It's a bad movie because it doesn't. But it's there's worse nothing about Die Hard Two. Well, mind well, blown. You see, I'm... you can't say that that's a Rennie Harlan film, that's Skip Trace, because it doesn't look anything like a Rennie Harlan film. It looks like a Jackie Chan film, or it looks wow. like any Hong, um, Hong Kong made um, uh, yes. martial arts film. There's okay. nothing in there that you would say, oh, that's a Rennie Harlan move. That's a Rennie Harlan look. That's a Rennie Harlan act. It's not, because it doesn't look anything like it. Whereas so... Die Hard 2 is quintessentially exactly what he produces, and it's crap. So. That is a hot take. As a oh. hot take, I'm so can, close can to I... saying that's my favourite movie. Of <laughs> can, can, I'm going to have just... to take a breath. Can we make this categorically clear for the rest of the world? Simon does not speak for all of us. <laughs> I, guess, I think the whoo's are expressive enough. For my worst movie, I would have to say, and I watched a lot of these bad movies. I watched, I watched 12 Rounds again. I watched Skip Trace. I started Mind Hunters. I watched Deep Blue Sea, and I would have watched Driven, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> I have to say, of these, the one I was, I w- I'm going to pick The Legend of Hercules because I didn't need either Hercules movie. But hey, come on, the that... one with the rock, he flips a horse. I didn't need either Hercules <laughs> he... movie in my life. And he then flips in a horse, guys. Period, they make. Two Hercules movies, and yeah. the one with The Rock is it's good. I agree, is perfectly watchable, but I still didn't need it. <laughs> but this Legend of Hercules one with uh, is it Kellen Lutz? Ellen Lutz is he that? How do I what? even know that? Oh my like, god! Why? Why? Oh. It's it just seems it's almost like uh, those Asylum movies they make, you know, like Mega Shark versus Hercules would watch. <laughs> So Would watch. that's gonna uh, that's gonna get my worst. Now I was gonna. I mean, Mark's already picked Cliffhanger. It's the obvious choice. I was gonna pick Long Kiss Goodnight. I, I, I haven't picked Cliffhanger. I picked Cliffhanger. You pick Cliffhanger. Sorry, so I picked Cliffhanger, oh. which was the obvious choice. But I was gonna pick uh, Long Kiss Goodnight because Shane Black, yeah, fantastic script, 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Die Hard too. Hey! I'm going to do it. I mean, I mean, Shane Black makes Long Kiss Goodnight a great movie, but is it Rennie Harlan's best movie because of Rennie Harlan? Probably not. It's the script. The script is what makes that movie so freaking awesome. But Die Hard Two is is a Rennie Harlan movie, and he takes 88 minutes. I think that's the name of the book, and he spins it into a Die Hard sequel, which I. You know, I always gave when I was younger, I always used to give it a lot of grief for being a retread. But actually, it's got a lot going for it. It's got William Sadler as uh, this naked William Sadler, crazy crazy colonel um, who's decided to like take uh, replicate and take over an um, uh, an airport by like set up in a church with then high tech equipment. I mean, they spend a lot of time establishing that, and it's a great idea. Gosh, they got they got William Sadler has taken over uh, all of the planes and is talking to them as if he's air traffic control and can get them to crash into the ground. It's a fabulous premise, and, and um, I tell you that that bit where they turn the cartridges over from the red oh, to the blue tapes. Yes. I remember just jaw yes. dropping at that. It's like, no. There are some great moments in here that awesome go, go against expectations from the first movie. The the cartridges, as you say, the setting it is unusual. It's in and around this airport, but it does take to the snow quite a lot, and that's that's a lot of fun as well. Um, I, I think it's it's got a lot going for it. It's I mean, brilliant. It's, it's a good movie. It's, it yes, is. it's just there's just some. Fabulous set pieces in it, and uh, I, I, I mean, on there are days when I'm happier to put that on rather than the first one because I know the first one inside out. Yes, and and really kind of sit back and enjoy it. And I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever fully appreciated that until Sai said it was his worst. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, coming soon. Right, uh, we'll be checking out Exorcist Believer. Talking Exorcist movies. This is the mm. one not directed by Rennie Harlan, unfortunately, Mark. Yes. At the cinema. I think uh, I'd rather it be directed by him, quite frankly. <laughs> Disney's Loki season two. Uh, Fall of House of Usher. The review's up. It's just a premiere review. I'll update it for a full season. Basically, watch it. Everyone watch it. It's very, very good. Very Poe. And that's what everyone needs in their lives. Uh, on disc, we'll have reviews of Criterion's After Hours 4K. Um, and Rosemary's Baby, hopefully, that's going to land in time. And a Screen 3, and maybe even early looks at Ghost Dog, Where the Samurai, and the Hellraiser Quartet. Whoa. Yes. Do let us know if there's anything we've not covered that you think we should check out. And that is it for the AV Forums Movies podcast this week. So my thank you to the movie team. Tom, Wibble, Hello. Wibble, Wibble, Wibble. No, no, I'm over that now. Sorry. Uh Yes, thank you. Good night. <laughs> and Mark. Yippee-ki-yay, Kimusabi. <laughs> if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and subscribe to the channel, plus hit the notification bell so you don't miss out when we publish our live streams, product reviews, and more. If you really like the podcast, then buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash avforums. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and bookmark avforums.com for the latest reviews, news and videos. Plus, why not leave us a five-star rating on whichever service you use if they allow it, but only if you enjoyed the show. I am Kaz Harlow. 
Thank you for watching and listening, and join us for another podcast real soon. Goodbye. Doodle pip. Thank you.